It's time once again for the Passion to Succeed podcast, where we explore the traits, mindsets, and attitudes of passionate and successful individuals. This show is for anyone who wants to make a difference, make more money, learn from the greatest minds, and discover how to be more successful in all you do and doing it with a pure passion to succeed. Here's your host, serial entrepreneur, successful author, and the world's most passionate master coach, Craig White. Okay. Hey, guys. Uh, good afternoon, uh, good evening, good morning, wherever you are tuning in from around the world. I hope you are having a truly magical day. Um, I feel uh, really grateful today uh, to have uh, this guy, Ray Higdon, joining us uh, to share some of his words of wisdom, experiences, and and I guess mindset for the future as well. Um, super, super excited. Hey, Rob, hope you are well. Um, just really grateful. Um, we, I know, I'm pretty sure for those of you in the network marketing space like myself for the last GIA rate, it's going to be 19 and a half years soon. I've been in the industry, right? Which is pretty insane. Um, but yeah. You were five or six years old, huh? Hi, uh, mate. That's right. Nearly in the womb. Nearly in the womb. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just really, really super stoked. And uh, as I said, really grateful to have, uh, I guess, Ray's uh, very much to me and, and many a legend in the industry. Um, uh, authored many successful best-selling books now, like Freakishly, Freakishly um, Successful Social Media for Network Marketers, Freakishly Successful Leadership, which I absolutely love uh, mm-hmm. for Network Marketers. Um, obviously, co-authoring Go For No. And I'm actually on the Audible now of your new book, Time, Money, Freedom. And mate, I've got, to say, I've got to say, like you do sound great, but uh, your wife Jessica sounds so much better on Audible. <laughs> I can't compete, man. We're on the same team. <laughs> I know, look, I'm really grateful, and um, I know uh, you recently joined us on a team event um, uh, at the weekend, and the team are absolutely buzzing. Some of the leadership vibes and areas of focus, and I guess philosophies and mindsets, coupled with some some uh, ways of recruiting has really got the team on fire so i really feel blessed to be now sharing uh, a conversation with you with a, a wider audience here on across a few social media platforms and obviously on our podcast show passion to succeed um so how are you mate how's things today how's life in general things are good you know we're on the big um you know book tour and the big book push uh with our new book with hay house um i did i did just get our first Amazon UK review. So I want to give a shout out to Richard Pevoy. Uh, so thank you, Richard. Uh, our first Amazon UK review. So oh, that's insane. That's wicked. So I think it's, I mean, obviously you guys are based in Florida. You're just saying the family are heading off to the beach. And I know family is uh, massive for you. Uh, and you see, you know, you're obviously as a father figure and, and husband, it's uh, obviously at the, the center of I guess from me, from the vibe I get, the center of everything you you do. But I have a, I have a, a really really serious question. The world seems to be going crazy right now, Ray. Mm-hmm. Have you guys got your Christmas decorations up already, or are you waiting to the first of December? So this is uh, this is a uh, inner turmoil with the family. Okay. Um, so I, I uh, would love to have the Christmas decorations up right now, but uh, Jess drew a very strict line in the sand that until after Thanksgiving, there shan't be any Christmas decorations. And so she has won. Uh, she wins every year. And uh, so I would have them up. 
I'd be candy caning it up, but uh, she says, no way, Jose, not till after Thanksgiving. Strict rule. Hey, well, hey, but the ladies of our lives, I, I guess they tend to win on uh, on these things, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, so in a civil war for me is a part of me that loves Christmas. I mean, today that comes out uh, and about and the Christmas songs are starting to really now accelerate on the radio. But, you know, the Christmas cheer brings good family spirit and vibes to the world, I guess. So. Right. So um, obviously for you right now, you, you're very much, I guess, I guess, living the dreams you had. Um, you know, successful entrepreneur, you know, multiple best-selling author. Uh, obviously, um, yourself and Jess leading, you know, a real global impactful business with rank makers. Um, but it wasn't always this way um, for yourself. And I just wondered if you could give some of our, um, our followers a bit of an insight into, um, you know, where it all started for you. You know, what, what was your, a little bit about, I guess, your story and your background and what was the, the trigger point or even like the eureka moment of, you know, may, maybe made you kind of think, right, enough is enough. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had, I had worked my way up in, in the corporate world. I worked for a county government and uh, here in Naples, Florida, and I worked my way up to a pretty good salary. And, but I, um, you know, I just wasn't really happy there. And um, when I transitioned from the county to a private job, it uh, the, the harder I worked, the more they would pay me, but the more they would demand of me. And so I was missing family vacations. I would have to cancel stuff. I was missing, you know, school things with my my boys. And it just didn't, there was no end in sight. You know, my boss and his boss and her boss were all making more money, but they're also more miserable. And so I decided I was going to do something about it. And, you know, that is one of one of my, not the earliest, but one of my early uses of of one of our 10 rules, which is called pluck the weeds. And so this was something that mo what would most people do if they're at a, a high paying salary, but they weren't happy, they would stay. <laughs> right. That's what they would do. They would stay there grumble and be miserable and wish that something was changed, but they wouldn't do anything about it. And so I decided, despite everyone, you know, people saying I was crazy for throwing away my career, people saying, what are you going to do for benefits? I went on on my own and started doing real estate. And that went really well for a few years. And then when the market changed, I tasted bitter defeat because I got completely wiped out, empty my my bank account, he emptied my IRA, uh, sold my savings bonds that my dad had given me, sold furniture, still ended up in foreclosure, uh, also went through a divorce. And so it was just a really, really tough time. And, you know, uh, something I, I don't I don't always share, but um, there was a, you know, you, you asked for a eureka moment. So here I was, dead broke, personal foreclosure, over a million dollars in debt because I had leveraged my home, I had leveraged different investments, and I was really in a bad, bad place. And I went to this seminar that I was hoping I would learn how to make some money and, and get back in the game. And what I realized was repair relationship with, with my dad was on a to-do list with no priority. I hadn't talked to him in 13 years. He had never met my sons. They were, at the time, they were 10 and 11 years old, I believe, or maybe 10 and nine years old. And he had never met him. I hadn't talked to him in 13 years. And something just was like, you know, I just thought about, you know what? 
you know, he may pass away and that would really wreck me if I didn't at least try to create a relationship with him. And, you know, I had every, every right, every, every reason to not have a relationship with him because my childhood, you know, was, was pretty crappy, uh, heavy abuse, um, you know, going to, I remember going to kindergarten with a bloody nose. I remember wearing turtlenecks in the summer because my neck was so clawed up for my stepmom. And so it wasn't, it wasn't great. And, um, but the day two of that seminar, I reached out to him and on, in July of, of 2009, I went up to Indiana and, and, you know, got to spend some time with them. And he met my sons for the first time. And I thought, and, and when I came home, less than a week later, I joined a network marketing company that I went on to become the number one income earner of. And I really believe that had I not made that trip, that never would have happened. Because I believe that when you release some of your past garbage and resentment and anger and hatred, that you create a new opening, that you can, you can fill into a new opening. And so for many years, I thought that that was the eureka moment. And I've realized it actually isn't. What was the actual eureka moment? That is, the, that is what kicked me into um, a path of success, you know, going from, you know, 2009, I made $19,000, 2010, $350,000. Wow. And, you know, decent jump, right? And, but in 2010, I was up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, doing a training for uh, my team, a team I had up there. And something just like spoke to me of share that story, which I'd never shared. I'd never shared that story about reconnecting with my dad. And, you know, I'd never been vulnerable. Like I'd never like shared any, you know, story about me being non-Superman. Like I wanted to be the showman. I wanted to be perfect and amazing. And, and I'd never shared, I'd never been vulnerable up until that point. And so something just kind of, you know, said, Hey man, share that story. And so I shared that story afterwards, the guy that invited me to speak, comes walking down the aisle with tears running down his face. His name was Kenneth. And uh, I'm like, wow, man, that, you know, that hit you hard, man, geez. And he said, I can't believe you just shared that story. I haven't talked to my dad in 17 years. And tomorrow I fly out for his funeral. Wow. And, and like, it just like, it hit me. And I think, you know, my first reaction which, you know, I think, I think maybe people that have been through trauma can identify with this. But my first reaction was, man, you know, how much of a jerk am I? I should have shared it last week. So my first reaction was beat myself up. And, and then I, I, you know, I took a step back and I'm like, you know what? I got to stop being the showman. I got to stop being perfect. I guess, or at least attempting to appear perfect and stop being Superman. And I need to be more vulnerable. And, you know, and, and what if I would have shared it a week earlier? He, he would have reached out, I guarantee you. And so I've now shared that story, I don't know, hundreds of times maybe. And I have so many emails and messages and even letters, handwritten thank you letters of people who've reconnected with their mom, their dad, their sister, their brother. Um, I have uh, two instances where uh, someone had been both of them happen to be dads, but someone had, you know, not been connected with their dad, heard my story, reconnected with their dad, and shortly thereafter, the dad passed away. So literally, they had to hear my story in that window. 
if they didn't, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have reconnected. And so that is actually their eureka moment because that's what has made me so consistent. That's what made, makes me show up every day. You know, I've done at least one video a day for over 11 years and I'm a, I'm a consistent freak of nature, but it's not, it's, it's because of that, the feeling I got of, of hearing people reconnect and change the dynamics of their family, change the dynamics of their past shame and resentment and anger and hatred and guilt. Um, that's what, that's what really has fueled me. And that's what, you know, that's one of the reasons we're so passionate about getting our book out there. It's amazing really, because I guess, right, you know, a lot of people hide these feelings and emotions of the past because I guess we never really truly let go of stuff like that but we try to cover it over and almost act as if and but I guess it's it's what's holding a lot of people back right um so I, no I, question and, and and I thought I was over all this stuff you know mm. and you know and just you know recently um you know I, I uncovered uh another you know part of me that um was driving uh, behavior in me that I that isn't congruent with what who I want to be, and um, I'm happy to share that now that I've <laughs> looped that. So we were I don't know if I shared this with you when we were chatting. Did I share with you the Belize trip? No. Okay. All right. I didn't, I didn't think so. So uh, early this year, uh, still having breakthroughs all these years later, right? Um, early this year, January, February. Uh, before, you know, pandemic and everything, uh, we were at a charity function, which, you know, Jess and I are on the board for two different charities for, for children. And we're at this charity auction and they have this um, auction item. That's a uh, seven day trip to Belize, uh, private jet, private yacht, private island, private chef, you know, five couples only. And so the, you know, the person describes it and my wife is like, oh, my God, that's all. Oh, whoo. right. She's all hot and bothered and she's excited. And and me, that sounded like sheer hell. Like I heard that and I'm just like, oh, I don't want that. And, and I hid that. You know, I, I didn't I didn't express it because I she's like, oh, my God, she's shaking me like excited. And I'm like, oh, man, I hope we don't win this. And and afterwards, you know, I'm driving home. And I was just, I, I just couldn't let go of it. I'm like, why am I this way, man? Like, why did, why did I, re, why did she react like you be? And I react like that was my worst nightmare. And, and so yet again, I decided that that was something, that was a, a part of me that was incongruent with who I wanted to be. I don't want to be the, you know, Debbie Downer. I don't want to be the, you know, the dude that doesn't want to go on fun trips like that when my wife wants to. I want to be the best husband possible because I know I got to catch. And so like, you know, I want to be, I want to be leveling up always and try to catch up with her. And, and so I dug into that and, you know, I worked with a couple different of my, you know, mindset coaches and, and I'm like, well, you know, why am I that way? And, you know, with some very heavy digging and, you know, this is the process sometimes of, of plucking a weed is I determined that it or with help, I determined that, this actually came from third grade. And in third grade, my teacher knew that something was not right. And, and I don't know what they saw, but they knew that something was not right. And I remember my teacher saying, hey, we, I'd like you to start meeting with the guidance counselor. And I'm like, you know, okay, you know, I don't know what that means and, you know, whatever. And so I start meeting with the guidance counselor 
And, you know, at first I really don't know what's going on. And, you know, then she starts asking me questions about, you know, my life and what's going on at home. And so I, I start sharing, I start sharing that, you know, I'm, you know, every morning I'm thrown against a closet every morning I'm stomped. I'm, you know, constantly, you know, beat on all the time. And I'm so, uh, there were days where I was so hungry that I would steal frozen food out of the freezer when no one was looking and eat it frozen outside. And so just, just not a great experience. And, but you know what? Talking to someone actually felt good because I'd never been able to talk to anybody. I wasn't allowed to have people over. I wasn't allowed to go to people's houses. So I'm literally on my own all the time unless I'm being you know beat. And, and so um, I share all this with her and it feels good. It's nice, man, to share something. And then one day I go in for our meeting and my dad's there and my stepmom's there and she proceeds to tell them every single thing I've ever told her because she thought it was so outrageous that it couldn't possibly be true and that I just wanted attention. And, and so that was, that was the day I stopped trusting anybody. And so from that day forward until this year, everyone has been at, at a distance with me. So I can go on a video and I can rock it out. I can go on stage, 20,000 people, no problem. Yeah. You wanna have a personal connection with me, it's gonna, it's gonna be difficult. And, and so like, you know, people, and that, that um, the automatic, it's an automatic thing. I didn't think about it. Like I'm not gonna let people in. I just had this automatic barrier of, of let me not let people get close because I don't wanna be betrayed again because that was the ultimate betrayal for a little kid. And, and so for all these years, I've had this wall up around anybody that wanted to get to know me more on a personal level. If you talk about business, sure, I'll talk about business. Personally, I, we ain't gonna talk. And, and so the problem with that is one other, you know, op, the obvious of you don't have close connections with people. That's why I have, you know, few close friends. And, and two, people misconstrue it. So I would go and speak at an event and just rush off to my hotel room because I had so much social anxiety. I didn't want to talk to people. I didn't. And, but that's misconstrued. That's misconstrued as I'm better than them. Yeah. That I think I, that I have a big ego and that I'm some diva or something like that. It's actually the exact opposite. I was so worried about being hurt and so worried about being betrayed that I was scared to connect with anybody. It wasn't a, you know superior then. And so, by me identifying after you know it was a decent amount of work, identifying that issue and plucking that weed, I now have much better relationships already, and you know just in this past year than I've ever had in my life. I actually look forward to connecting with people. I look forward to going to social gatherings where I used to really dread it, and it was only getting worse and worse. And I you know I didn't know why, um, and so you know just constantly diving into how can you. How can you make all areas of your life congruent with who you want to be? And that's kind of the mission that, you know, that I'm always on. Hey, hey it's a, an amazing story. And I think like, certainly me, I can feel the emotion. Um, and I guess environment is everything. And, and I don't know, it just pops to my mind why, why we're, 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 we're chatting, because I think, you know, the world that I find ourselves in now from a, a, a personal development, personal growth. I mean, I, I was quite blessed as a, a young lab, right? Because I, my parents were hard workers. I mean, they, they lost a couple of businesses. They, they come into network marketing. But my mum always believed in me. You know, I remember having a couple of businesses thwarted at school by the headmaster. And 
you know, them, them calling my mum in and, you know, reprimanding me. And my mum getting outside of the school, she's going, there's my boy. You know, there's a good lad. Don't do it at school. And um, so, I, you know, I think I was, I was very lucky to have that environment. And you can almost sometimes take for granted the environment that we have now. And obviously yourself as a father, you know, you'll be even more focused on having that environment of um, not just congruency, but love and passion and belief. You know, you know, building people, and I guess you know, certainly network marketing has opened my eyes to you know, building people, building relationships, and I think Andy Robbins is famous for saying, "Isn't the quality of our life is lies within the quality of our relationships?" But how many people are still not in the right environment is the worry, and I guess this is where you have an opportunity and and others to really influence on a global stage, like with your the launch of your new book, Time, Money, and Freedom. Um, yeah, you know, for sure. And it's, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, the, the three things that we hope people, you know, get from the book is one, you can have a great life, despite your past, if you, you can have and, and, you know, I shared my story, my story, certainly isn't, you know, um, uh, an easy story. But I've met so many people that had much tougher, you know, past than than me. Um, you know, on our when we we did our reality show Play to Win in season one, there was a contestant on there, Renee Adams, that had never. And I'm just so proud of her. I talk about her all the time. But she, um, you know, she had never shared her story. She had never shared what she had survived. And well, she had survived not just sexual abuse as, as a young girl, not just physical abuse, but she was actually trafficked. And you know, she comes on our show having never shared that before. And she shares her story and we're all just like, oh my God, man. And um, and I told her, I'm like, you know, I know that it's tough, but you're a survivor. Man, if you, if you just shared that story more, uh, you could inspire a lot of people. And I give that advice to a lot of people, right? And some, some take it, some don't. Within two weeks, she was speaking at abuse centers and she had never spoken before. She had never shared her story. She'd never done public speaking in two weeks. She's sharing at abuse centers what she'd overcame uh, two months ago, right? About two months ago, she she actually spoke at the uh, 17th annual International Conference for Human Trafficking by the University of Toledo, where 19 countries tuned in to hear her story. Wow. And so that is inspiring. That is when you, you know, so regardless you know, you know, number one, regardless of your past, you can have a great life. Number two is what you've overcome, what you've, you know, the obstacles you've overcome, the trauma you've overcome, the, the, um, you know, abuse that, that you've survived can be inspiring to other people. And, and some of those people, I think, especially nowadays, may be hanging on by a thread. You may be saving lives by you sharing your story. You know, suicide rate is way up. I know, you know, in my home state of, of Indiana, during the pandemic, the uh, suicide hotline calls went from, uh, I think it was around 4,000 a month to 25,000 a month. And so, you know, there are ramifications to these lockdowns. And this, you know, it's, it's you know, it's a scary, scary thing that's going on right now. Um, and the third thing that I hope people get out of the book is that uh, with more money, you can do more good. And we're, you know, we're programmed pretty much our whole life from the media, from politicians, from Hollywood that, you know, those with lots of money are evil, bad. They earned off the efforts of others and, you know, greedy, selfish. Well, money is just a magnifier. 
and it makes you more of who you are. If you're someone that likes to help, like like I do, um, you know, then with more money, you can do more good. You know, we've raised half a million dollars for the March of Dimes for NICUs and PICUs and premature babies. We, you know, this past event a couple months ago, we raised a hundred thousand to help fight human trafficking. Um, you know, with with more money, you're able to do more good. I can only volunteer so much of my time, and you know, and I, I volunteer some, and that feels good to me, and I'm happy to do it. I can't volunteer an unlimited amount of time, but I can raise an unlimited amount of money. I can donate an unlimited amount of money as I make more. And yeah. so I, I think it's so important for that message because um, so many people are they're, they're they're fighting this programming that making a lot of money is bad and they don't know why their business isn't bigger. You have to take the cap off of that and say, you know what? Uh, me making more money is a good idea because I can build schools, I can build abuse centers, I can build water wells, I can, you know, you know, help I can provide more food for the homeless or the hungry and and so those are the probably the three biggest concepts we hope people get out of the book that's beautiful I think um, you know this this like emotional uh, congruency is, is such a big thing and I think you know it's almost like I guess a lot of people can can think Ray look it's just me what influence can I have but we have a responsibility to I guess, dare to succeed in business, you know, develop ourselves and have that ripple of effect of, of change. And just before we, we, we kind of go ahead, I just want to let everyone know that's listening, whichever group and page, I think here we've got communication from people in a, in a small closed leadership group. Uh, but if you're listening on the pages or through the podcast show, I want to inspire you all between now and the end of November to share this um, live video stream um, onto your profiles. Let's have a ripple effect of change globally. And what I'll do at the end of November, I'm going to pull out three winners who everyone that shares, I'm going to pull out three winners and send you a copy of Ray and Jess's new book. Um, okay. get something out there. Let's do something a little bit different and be a little bit of a, a ripple effect of change and, and make a difference to other people's, not just ourselves. So um, just, just coming back to this emotional congruency, this is something that's really sat um being a massive part of my journey i've learned along the way you know from kind of falling into the industry with like my selfish goals dreams and ambitions and realizing you know it takes all of us to empower any one of us to succeed and and really you know taking my mind off the money and focusing on the benefit of others but then having a family now you've got four kids now i believe two older boys your little girl after your baby lad um so i know like for me i, I from goals that weren't congruent. I found myself working hard, but sometimes not working hard for that goal because it wasn't congruent with my values and priorities, which, you know, being a dad is my biggest, you know, my biggest passion. It's my biggest opportunity to influence. And, and, and you'll, you'll know and feel that. I watched a, I watched a video. I think you were in a, a little restaurant. He was talking about why work from home. And you yeah. was um, talking about a movie you were watching. And, and he, you know, he just mentioned something to you that you're not that guy. Um, and uh, I think, you know, that's why to work from home. So I don't know if anyone jumps onto your, your website, rayhigdon.com, you can, you can check it out and, 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 and look at that a little bit more. But, you know, from your point of view and experience of mentoring and coaching people to have these breakthroughs, you know, what kind of tips and advice could you maybe suggest for people to start to develop an emotional congruency with what's really important for them, who they are, and, and obviously, I guess, their values and priorities? Yeah, um, you know, 
too too often we look at people that are you know super successful and and you know compare ourselves or whatever i mean just just realize i mean it was it wasn't that long ago that i'm dead broke personal foreclosure million dollars in debt depressed drinking heavily um i mean i you know it wasn't that long ago didn't have a following didn't have a brand um and so you know it is it, it is a work in progress um you know you look at uh there's so many people that didn't have fast success. Um, you know, Harrison Ford was 13 years as an actor before he got his first, you know, starring role. And there were some weeks he had 50 auditions. That's Harrison Ford. Like, I think he's pretty good. And, and so, like, you know, why, why is it that we get upset when things don't happen overnight for us, but it's okay for Elvis Presley to be told to go back to being a truck driver? First time he performed at Opryland, he was told, go back to being a truck driver, you're no good. And, and so like, why is that okay for him? And we know these stories, but it's not okay for us. And so know that, um, you know, it isn't always uh, easy, but it's worth it. And, you know, like Oprah says, you know, life is not a dress rehearsal. You know, this is what you got. And so, you know, if you're constantly quitting on your dreams, if you're constantly doubting your dreams, it's like, you don't get another shot at this, you know, like, let's, why not? Why not you? Why not go for it? Why not become the person that inspires others? And, you know, kind of like what you were saying, you know, when I first started, it was, you know, I want to get out of debt. I feel, you know, I feel like a loser and I'm, I want to get out of debt. I'm sick of, you know, my girlfriend, you know, buying dinner, you know, and that was Jess. Jess was dating me when I was dead broke. And, and so, you know, I, I wanted, one of my goals was, you know, get out of debt and spoil the hell out of her. And, and so, you know, now we do that. Right. And, um, and that makes me feel good. You deserve to feel good, but you gotta, you gotta be willing to show up on the days that you don't feel like it to, to earn that feel good. And, and I hope that, I hope that you do too many people, you know, like when I was leaving that job, I would tell people, you know what? Um, they're like, why are, why are you quitting your job? It's crazy. And I'd say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of miserable. And they're like, yeah. And, and I realized how many people were actually miserable that were around me that I never actually knew. Like, I didn't know this. Like, oh, we're just all supposed to be miserable. And, and that's just how the masses think. That's why they, you know, they arrive at retirement with hardly any money. They, and, you know, they don't have great relationships, you know, most. And, and so, like, you can create the life of your dreams, but you got you to gotta stick to that. You got to stick to you know, following and we have, you know, in our book, we have um, the sub headline is 10 simple rules to redefine what's possible and radically reshape your life. And it's really the, the 10 rules that we followed to not just make more money, but also redefine our time and what that looks like, how to have a better, you know, family uh, dynamic. Um, we talk about, you know, how how we overcame some of our arguments. You know, we, Jess and I used to really um clash about money and and what's interesting is we didn't clash when we were when we were broke we only clashed when we had money and and it was you know that sounds strange and but there was because two opposing ways of looking at money and we would we would clash and so you know until that was addressed there was this resentment that was growing because unaddressed resentment never goes away it only grows and it, and it permeates into other areas of the relationship and so we talk about how we navigated that and and how you know how you can navigate tough conversations too
Taylor, I love that. I haven't got to that stage in, in on the Audible book yet, so I'm I'm, I'm really interested because actually it's a question of mine that I wanted to ask you because I know, uh, and we'll get back to to uh, like the introductory of your book. You talk about almost like why now, like being an entrepreneur, and and, and maybe I want you to share some of your vibes with some of the network marketers on here, but other people that are maybe you know thinking about taking that step. Um, but I guess you, you've almost led into you know, relationships, obviously, with Jess, and you've got to show up, dress up in your relationships in life. You know, we get married, we make a commitment. You know, you dress up and show up every day. And one of the, one of the things I did want to ask you, because obviously you guys are co co-written this book, you're building your business side by side together. And, um, you know, I know that, you know, a lot of people are maybe now starting to work together for the first time, and it's going to bring its challenges. So it's really interesting that you've mentioned that. Um, so I know obviously we get people and inspire people to go and grab a copy of the book and the audible, but you know, what are the, you know, obviously you, as you said, you've got to delve into them clashes to open them up. You know, is the, is there other challenges and other ways that you've found to kind of work well as a team? I'm guessing you still have the challenges, I'm sure from day to day or occasionally. Um, you know, I mean, our, you know, I, I, both of us have grown to the point that we realize the way to serve each other is to more quickly bring up things that bother us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in the past, um, I, I wasn't that person. I would have something I didn't like and I would just, you know, I just hold on to it and, it, you know, it wouldn't be great and I wouldn't overly complain, but I wasn't great about it. Um, and now, you know, both of us realize that it's of service that if, if I'm doing something that bothers her, if she's doing something that bothers me, it's of service to the relationship to actually bring that up. And, and so I'll, I'll give you the, you know, the example, the main example from the book with us, cause you know, it's different for different couples. So, you know, when we were <laughs> dead broke and uh, you know, we just, we just didn't fight about money, you know, it just, just didn't have any, I guess. And, but when we started making money, you know, it was a different dynamic. And so I remember there would be days where Jess may peek her head in the, and, you know, in the room and say, uh, Hey, you know, bank accounts down a little bit. And, you know, she would just walk away and that would kick off a, you know, an emotion within me of, you know, I need to work harder. I need to make more money. I'm not a man. Like I'm not taking care of my woman. She's stressed and, and upset. And, and so, that would trigger me to go into hyper mode of working my face off. And then she would peek in later and be like, man, you seem so stressed out. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm stressed out. Like, oh, no, man, you you made this. And, and so she got, she got to the point where, and she's, she didn't realize this, that she's like triggering me and I'm, you know, working my face off. And, um, you know, to her, it was just a casual mention. Um, but it did have an undertone of fear. And the undertone of fear was she watched her mom go from making a, a, a very nice salary to losing it all. And so that was, and this is a very common scenario of if you have a family member, an aunt, uncle, mom, dad, whatever, if you have a family member that you watched make a lot of money and lose it, you actually will have sabotaging features that prevent you from making a lot of money because you don't want to lose it. You're more afraid of the loss of, um, of of gaining and then losing than you are of staying broke. 
And so I've seen this in a lot of couples and a lot of people that they, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, if, if I hear it, I'll say, do you ever have a family member that lost a bunch of money? And they're like, yeah, it's like weird for them that I know this, but I can tell the, the patterns. And so on her end, it's a fear of, of getting here and losing it. On my end, it's like, I'm not being a man and I'm not, I'm not taking care of my woman and doing what I should be doing. And so uh, it just wasn't good. And so one day I'm like, I'm like, babe, when you say this, when you say that the bank account's down, this is how it makes me feel. It makes me feel like not a man. And she's like, oh my God, that's not what I'm meaning at all. And so, you know, we discussed that and, and discussed when you shine a light on resentment, it, it has the possibility of going away. When you don't, it does not go away ever. Uh, the untalked about does not go away. And so we figured out a plan. We figured out, okay, how do we solve this? Because you have a definite concern of, of making it and losing it. And so we put in different investment systems. And, and so, you know, I don't, I really never know what's in the bank account. I don't, I don't even log in. I don't even have a login to it, I don't think. And, uh, you know, th that's just not what, you know, me looking at the bank account is not what, what drives me. Um, but she is a very good steward of money. And so she, you know, she's created all these different investment accounts and, you know, different, you know, ways of, of being a good steward of the money. And so she feels better. We're not having that kind of battle anymore. And we have a, a really an amazing relationship. Um, if there's, and if something comes up, it gets brought up as soon as possible versus, you know, festering and, you know, and that's, that's what happens with couples is, you know, the cup, you know, the person does something that the person starts resenting and then they start resenting other things. And then they start noticing not why you're together or what attracted you to them in the first place. You start noticing all the areas that really bother you, that he chews with his mouth open, that he didn't take out the trash, that, you know, that she nags or, you know, whatever. And so, you know, realize that you're on the same team. And, and so, you know, it shouldn't be a competition of who's worse and it shouldn't be a competition of, you know, of, of you know, a battle, you know, you're on the same team and, and recognize that. Yeah, I love it. I appreciate that. Cause I think it's really important that people are going to have these challenges. And I think, you know, as you said, not festering and to talk about them is really going to open them up and, and shine their light on resentment. So getting into obviously the, the book again, and, and really, I guess the world we, we find ourselves in, um, you know, just a few more moments of your time, because uh, I'd really sure. love to get you back to the beach with the family. Mm -hmm. uh, but obviously, we're, for you know, I guess we're in the age of the entrepreneur now, and I guess we have been for a few years. More and more people are getting braver, maybe with the internet. I think Forbes released some information recently that expect 5.2 million people to start an online business in the next 24 months. Wow! Here, here in the UK, 90% um, of of people in whatever research was done have, have suggested that they don't want to return back to the office, which I think is pretty, you know understand sure. um so you know the world we that we live in now you know why why now ray why why should people be you know getting courageous and you know i guess guts to to kind of take that leap of faith i mean um yeah was, i mean there's a lot of obvious answers there you know i mean this this was the year that network marketing became the most sought after career on the planet and, you know, and it just so happens, see, you know, my wife and I, we, we built and became the number one income earners in a company using social media, you know, 11 years ago, 
back then we were the black sheep. You know, people are like, oh, that doesn't duplicate or, oh, don't trust these online guys. You know, I used to get bashed all the time. And, and so nowadays, you know, pretty much most people build on, on social media and it's not, you know, disparaged or, or anything like that. And so, you know, this, you know, this whole pandemic thing happened at a time when social media acceptance level was super high. People want to work from home, don't want to go back to an office and you have unlimited, you know, potential inside of network marketing. So one of the things that, you know, although we, you know, we retired from actively building a team, you know, four years ago to focus on coaching and training, I'll always, I'll always honor network marketing. And this, you know, like the book is, it, this is just for full disclosure, it's not a network marketing book, but it highly edifies it. There's a chapter in here, um, you know, where, where we talk about prepare the ground. And so that's where you, we give you suggestions on laying out a platform so that you can make extra money online. And, and in it, we highly edify network marketing because I see it as the lowest risk, lowest overhead way for the average ordinary person to start a business. And, and so, you know, uh, and now it's just, it's just so obvious, right? Um, I mean, I have, you know, a friend that, you know, dropped $80,000 for his brick oven for his pizza restaurant that he now can't open. And, you know, and I know so many people that have, you know, that are smart, that invested in themselves, that, you know, bought into franchises that, you know, I mean, their lives are being ruined and, you know, they can't, you know, I mean, to me, if, if your business is what you rely on to live, then it's an essential business. And, and I know that that's, you know, some people don't get that or they think that it's insensitive or something, but if all the jobs go away, someone's got to pay for all these benefits that everyone wants and who's, who's going to do that. And, and so, you know, it's just, it's just such a, a wild time. You know, at one point there were 750,000 Uber drivers just in the United States alone. I don't know what that's dropped to, uh, but I know it's dropped substantially. And these were people willing to get in their cars with strangers late at night, might be drunk, might be an ax murderer, who knows, uh, for 80 to $300 a month. And, and so that, you can easily make with network marketing from home using social media by following a, you know, a simple system. And, and so there's just, you know, this is just the perfect storm for people to become more entrepreneurial. And, you know, just, you know, if you look at, um, I don't know, eight months ago or seven months ago, there were a lot of people that had their careers figured out. They were working their way up the hotel. They're going to be a hotel manager and then a general manager. Um, well, a lot of those careers are gone now and, and people don't know what to do. In fact, the job that Jess used to work at, uh, the Naples Nordstrom, it had been, it's been here for 26 years. Uh, and Nordstrom, big name, you've heard of Nordstrom, right? Uh, so Naples, Naples, Florida, one of the you know, most you know, affluent you know, areas in, in the country. Nordstrom, one of the you know, biggest brands in, in the world, uh, they closed, they closed their doors. They couldn't survive the pandemic. And that's where she used to work at the makeup counter, paying my utility bills. And and so there's so many people that have been affected. Um, I mean, man, you know, it's just more and more people want to work from home. They want to spend more time with the family. And and there's also been this raised awareness of the importance of family as loved ones have died, as as people have passed away from you know from COVID or or, or whatever else. Um, there's just a it's it's just like a wild storm of 
working from home is more appealing than ever before. And, um, you know, and, and here it is, social media acceptance, working from home, spending time with loved ones, all of those things are at an all-time high. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I, again, you know, obviously being involved uh, in the industry like like yourself, I think the, you, you're seeing so much confidence and growth um, in the business um, and new people coming in and just being prepared to learn new skills and really because, you know, in many cases, they haven't got a choice. They've got to do something different and how we change is obviously how we succeed. So, hey, look, really, really grateful for your time. It's been a, an absolute pleasure again to, to chat with you and spend a bit of time with you, Ray. Um, one final thing, what is your biggest passion right now? What is, uh, what's the mission for uh, the Higgadons? What is, uh, what's sitting at the heart of everything you're doing right now? I mean, I just, there, there's nothing we've ever done. I mean, and we've done some things I'm very, very proud of. I'm very proud of our rank makers group. You know, in the, in the last two years, we've helped network marketers bring in over 200,000 new customers, 52,000 new reps and achieve 9,200 rank advancements. Very proud of them and very proud of that group and what we do in there. Um, I don't think there's anything we've ever done that will impact as many people as our new book. And I, I really believe that because it's not just, you know, like you, you mentioned our um, you know, social media book and leadership book. Those are very, you know, strategic for that particular you know, thing. And it will help. It'll help you with social media. It'll help you with leadership. This is how to transform your life. And, and I think more in, you know, whether network market or not, um, I just think, you know, my mission is to get that in the hands of as many people as possible to help, um, to help people change their lives. And I really, I really believe that it's, um, you know, that's definitely the, the current mission for, for a good amount of time, probably. Uh, I love it. I love it, mate. And as I said, I'm really enjoying the audible, uh, waiting for the, uh, the paper book to turn up as well. Uh, I have this passion about consuming via my eyes and my ears. It seems to give me nice. more. Um, so look, uh, much appreciated for your time. Uh, we uh, will certainly be promoting the book here um, and through not just our team, but the wider impact we have across our, our platforms. Ray, it's been an absolute pleasure. Go and enjoy the afternoon sun with your, your family and um, I'll look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks again, Ray. Thanks for having me. Yeah, pleasure, mate. Take care. If you enjoyed today's show, we would appreciate it if you would like. Most people share through social media. Then subscribe, rate, and provide a review over at iTunes and SoundCloud. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us. The Passion to Succeed show is brought to you by passiontosucceed.com. Get over to the website, subscribe, and join the community of passionate people.